Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. I'm going to share for about 20 minutes and I want you not to take this as a soundbite, but as the full 20 minutes. Because I'm going to speak some truth in love today. It's a message that's been sitting on me for a while, and uh, I really feel I want to speak this out today. Before I do, I want to say to Amelia, to Maggie, to James, the honour you spoke to your father here on Tuesday was something very, very special. And for the hundreds and hundreds of people who were here to witness that, was a moment that I will never forget. The way you spoke of your father's love and his care for you, he wasn't perfect, but it was absolutely beautiful. And to Jane, we stand with you as a church family in this time. As we've stood here many times with you and Gary, we stand with you today. Because that's what church family does, is we stand around you we celebrate with you and we mourn with you during this time. If you are new here today, if you've come along today and uh, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is all very, very different, we celebrate water baptisms. We, it is something very, very special. We did this in the nine o'clock and, uh, you know, we did this down in our Huon Valley four weeks ago and we had an 80-year-old that we baptised and we baptised a 10-year-old in our nine o'clock, young Charlotte in our youth program. It's all through who it is because it's a simple thing. It's not about uh, an age or not about this. It's about simply saying it's a public declaration to say that I've accepted Christ into my life. That's what it is. Very, very simple with that. Over the last few weeks, we have been speaking about truth in love, and it can be challenging to preach on, and there's been many times when I've been preparing for this, and I've taken it, and I've put it in my bottom drawer, and thought to myself, no, I don't have the courage to be able to preach on this. And then I read a quote from author Catherine Walden, who said this, truth, when spoken from a place of genuine love, damages the grip of the enemy and advances the kingdom of God. And that was enough for me to say, put your big boy pants on and preach this word. Last week I preached on John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. It'll actually be on our YouTube channel now. We're always a week behind with that. Uh, but today is kind of like part two. Last week I preached... Uh, on this scripture and it said, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And the scripture I want to share today is from John, uh, 2 John, uh, which is found after 1 John and before 3 John. Again, the apostle John is the author because we're using his name a fair bit. And again, he is imploring us in this scripture that I'm going to read for the next 18 minutes. What he's imploring us to do is love one another like Christ loved us. But this time, not so much personally as I, as I preached on last week, but speaking to us more as the church body. And, and, and as I speak through this message, I want you to take this as I'm talking about the church body, I'm talking about the church body in general. Not the 11 o'clock service here or not the 9 o'clock service, but, but if it's relative to us, then we take it. But I'm talking about the church body in general. 
The setting for this writing is thought to be some 60 years or two generations after Jesus has, has ascended to heaven. And, and, and as we get in this, you'll see that within those two generations, we talk about a generation being 25 to 30 years. And, and as we get into this scripture, you'll see that within this short period of time, within, within 60 years, within two generations, some had used the church to dilute who Jesus was and what he had even done. Before I get into this, I want to give a little bit of a background to the way my, I've been thinking about this. So I want you to take a look at the screens. This is a look inside my mind. It's not a pretty place. If you'll see down in the bottom centre there, I wrote the word de-churched. I started with that word. It was a blank piece of paper and I literally wrote the word de-churched. I wasn't even sure it was a word. And then I wrote around it in some of the fluorescent things afterwards. I wrote what I felt the church was. Prayer, worship, love. It was about giving. It was about serving. It was about listening to the apostles' teaching. But if you'll see, I wrote that after I'd written everything else below it. And what I'd written below it was observations that I believe where we're at with the church. That 2,000 years later, let alone 60 years later, that 2,000 years later, there is many observations about the church that represent a diluted saviour. Let me tell you this. The church may be imperfect, but it's God's plan. And at the right time, God will finish His plan. And His plan in heaven might and will look very different to what it is here on earth. But here on earth, part of his plan involved the church. And if we want to be followers of Jesus and living in his truth, then we need to be the church. Very, very few embers will stay alive when they're removed from the fire. They might stay lit for just a moment, but when they remain on the outside, eventually those embers will die. We are designed to have others around us. From the very first scripture in, in Genesis chapter 1, we were designed to have others around us, even if they're different to you, even if their backgrounds are different to you. Even if it means sacrificing of something in order to love them, we are designed to be around each other, to fellowship with each other and to love each other. 2 John, starting at verse 1. This letter is from John, the elder. I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. This is a defining moment from John right at the start. And when I believe John is saying the truth lives in, in us, he's referring to Jesus. It was Jesus himself who said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The New King James Version says it like this, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. This is the thing. When Jesus comes into your life, He comes into your life forever. We can walk away. We can be diluted. We can do these things. We wear t-shirts that say no turning back. The reality is though, we're imperfect people. We're broken people. 
And the world will want us to try and walk away. It'll try and show us things. This was happening just two generations after Jesus had been on earth. Just two generations after he'd been on earth, all of a sudden we will see as we go through this scripture that, it, that, that the church was starting to go, well, I don't really know. I'm, I'm kind of over that Jesus thing. And, and 2,000 years later, we have an opportunity to say, where is Jesus in our life? Forever seems a long time, right? And we are such a disposable society. When, yet when Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the life, he didn't just say, for in your good times. He just didn't say, when you're feeling like it and things are going well. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life forever. I am with you the whole time. Verse 3 says this, Grace, mercy and peace, which comes from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with you with us who live in truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. And, and, and this is the element of, of choosing truth. And I want to focus on this because sometimes truth seems difficult. It's almost like it's easier to believe half truth or just to flow with the crowd or just to take the truths that are a little more gentle on our spirit and the way we want to do life. I, I, I didn't find out during the break, and I should have. There's a term called cherry picking, right? Where you take what you want to take. I don't even know what it means. But you take what you want to take. The reality is, this is a book of truth. This is the Bible. This is a book of truth. Yet we've become a society where we take out of it what we want to take out of it, and we leave in of it that which is a little bit too hard for us to digest. goes a little bit quiet when I say this. We're going to be passionate about this. I think that John is happy to know that there are some still out there as he's talking in the church, as some are choosing to live in obedience to what God is saying. He's not saying being perfect. But so often it seems like it's a game to defy what our authorities are saying or to, to find fault in truth. Do you know, John refers to the word truth five times in the first four verses. Not part truth, but living according to truth. As you'll know, I feel pretty passionate about this. But this is not just being in the church. This is the way we do life. Are we resembling truth in the marketplace? In our schools? To our parents? To our siblings? To our children? There's a famous saying that says, all that is required for deception to triumph is for people of the truth to do nothing. My life experience is that when you choose to experience, when you choose to step outside of truth, you choose to risk the grace, the mercy, and the peace that comes with following the truth. Verse 5 I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. He goes back into it. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and He has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. John never misses an opportunity to go back to what is his vision statement, to what is his mission, which is that we should love one another. And I think it's fair to say that, that our ability to love one another is often shaped by our experience of love from one another. And I'm not ignorant of the fact that many have walked into church and you haven't felt loved. That many have walked into church and you haven't seen truth. 
that many have fellowshiped with others and you haven't experienced the love of one another. This scripture is so important, what John says. John says, love one another. By doing this, you will prove to others that you are my disciples. Sometimes it's hard to love the church. They make decisions that we don't want to make or we wouldn't make. And they do things that we don't think is right. You think about this from Jesus' perspective. When his own disciples put programs before people and turned the kids away, what did Jesus do? He said, let them come to me and he loved them. When they doubted him, what did Jesus do? He turned up the very next week and he loved them. When they denied him, he showed the ultimate sacrifice and died on the cross because he loved them. Jesus gets it. Verse 7 says this, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. This is a powerful couple of verses here. It's in Scripture and it's a powerful couple of verses. For a little bit of context, false teachers had been ministering in and around the church and they had been teaching part truths. They'd been teaching what the people wanted to hear. Gnosticism, as it was called, had its hold, had its foothold in churches. And this was effectively a dilution of who Jesus was. Just 60 years after Jesus had walked the earth, had paid the ultimate sacrifice of love by dying on a cross in order that we may be set free. Just 60 years after this or two generations, the church was teaching a dilution that, that this couldn't be real, that Jesus couldn't have done this. A part truth. I'm going to say that, be a little bit bold here, but the opposite of truth is a lie. And it's not like we go out and we deliberately lie, but when we dilute the power of the gospel or when we bend the truth to fit to what we want or when we gossip about what it is in church, it makes us, because it makes us feel a little bit better to ourselves, it's a part truth. It's a part truth. I want to say this. You can't twist Scripture to the way you want to live. Instead, Scripture should guide you how to live. Thanks, Andy. I'm going to finish in just a moment. I said I'd only speak for about 20 minutes. I'm going to finish in just a moment. And as I did in the nine, I'm going to ask that none of our host teams actually leave. I want you to stay in the room. The coffee will stay warm. Because I'm going to share this last part of the scripture and then boldly step in faith with a response call. Because the next words that John wrote on his papyrus paper 2,000 years ago are some of the most powerful and maybe the most relevant to the church in 2021. And it's this in verse 9. It says, Anyone who wanders away from the, his teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ 
has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. I've shared up here with the New King James Version and the Message Version because they say the same thing. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. The message puts it in a little bit more contemporary and it says this, anyone who gets so progressive in their thinking that they walk out on the teachings of Christ walks out on God. But whoever stays with the teaching stays faithful to both the Father and the Son. This mattered to John and so therefore it should matter to us. And in a moment I'm going to do something a little bit different. Normally what we do here is what we do is what's called a response call. Because I believe that there are some who have walked in the day where you read this scripture and, and, and it's grabbing at your heart. Because there's parts of you maybe has walked away. There's parts of you the way you've just, you know that you've just been taking half truths. Because it's more convenient for the way we want to live life. This is not me saying, this is the scripture. And so we do this response call. A response call is to say, you know what? I accept the fact that maybe I've walked away. That maybe I've diluted the truth that I once believed in. That it didn't really fit where I wanted to go and the way I was living my life. So it was just easier just to take the parts that I wanted to take and leave out the parts that I wanted to leave out. John said this because that was the risk of the church just 60 years after Jesus ascended just 60 years what about us 2,000 years later what does the church mean to us I want you to put up that final slide for me taken by a friend of mine of an actual sheep over in Israel and it says above it go after the one and it comes out of a scripture in Luke chapter 15 starting in verse 1 where it says that the shepherd left his flock to go after the one that had walked away to go after the one where the truth was too hard. To go after the one where, where they didn't know where they sat anymore. It says that the shepherd would leave everything he had. He would sacrifice. He would have the courage to go after the one. But this is what I love about this Scripture. We don't know how long the shepherd walked for. He might have found him just around the corner. 10 metres away or he may have walked for 10 miles his whole time thinking about the one 
thinking about the one that had walked away. But then this is the most beautiful part. And this is where I believe us as a church are today. Is that when the shepherd, which was resemblance of Jesus, when the shepherd found the sheep, he didn't sit there and say, why did you walk away? Steve, why did you get it wrong? Why did you mess up this week? Stu, why did you, why did you, did you not read it the way I wanted to do it? No, he didn't do that. What he did is he went up to the sheep and he said, he put him, the sheep on his shoulders. There was debate in the first service. But I said that a sheep, fully grown sheep probably weighs 60 kilos. I'm looking at a sheep farmer. The reality is that it would have been a sacrifice to put a sheep on his shoulders and to carry him home when he had the right to be able to say, you naughty sheep, look what you've done. You've broken, you've walked away from the truth. You've gone away from the flock. Why did the shepherd do this? Because the shepherd knew that the sheep needed to be in the flock. He knew that when he was out by himself, that that he wouldn't get the truth. He knew when he was out by himself that the fire would go out. So what did he do? He sacrificed, he had courage, he had the boldness to be able to go and get him. Why? Because he needed to be inside the flock. He needed to be inside the church. Do you get what we're saying here? The church is as relevant today, 2,000 years later, as what it was when they met in an upper room and they prayed and they worshipped and they did all of these things. And underneath, there'll be the brokenness. Underneath, there'll be all the things that we look at with the church. But above that, in those fluoro things, was prayer, was worship, was serving, was giving, was listening to the apostles' teaching. Why? Because they were together. They were together in love. They were together sharing truth with each other. The greatest act. Do you see where I'm going with this? It goes back to where John said, the greatest act of loving one another may be to go after the one. Not to criticise them but to love them because it says by this you will prove that you are my disciples by this you will show love to one another it may be that they've walked away from the truth because they hadn't seen the truth spoken in their life it may be that the greatest message you can give them is the message of truth We're going to be finishing with a song in just a moment. But I'm going to go back to that response call that I said right at the start. But I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Because I believe that there are some in here today who have never known the truth or who have wandered away from the truth. And God's been speaking to you today And the easiest thing for me to be would be to say, stand up. But you know what? That's really bold to do. And it's really awkward in front of three or 400 people sitting in here. So what I'm going to do, because there's two parts to this. There was a sheep that had wandered away, but there was a shepherd who went after them.
So I'm going to encourage as we sing this song that maybe what God has placed on your heart is to be the shepherd who's going to go after the one. And if that's you, as we sing this song, I'm going to encourage that you stand up beside those who are standing up to say, you know what, I've wandered away. Because the greatest act of love may be to see them standing around you, knowing that you love them, that you care for them. Because that's what the church is. Not that they'll always get it right, but to know that there's others there who care for you and to love for you. So as we sing this song, it may be that you've wandered away from the truth and you want to say, you know what, I'm standing up. I want to get my life right with God because it says here, when you step away, our progressive thinking, when you step away, you can no longer be with God with this. But then it says very clear, it says, God says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And that New King James Version, it says, forever. So if that's you, as we sing this, I want you to stand. But if it is you who says, you know what? I want to love others. I want to be the one who goes after them. I want to be part of that team that's going to go after them. That I want you to stand as well, just as we sing this song. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message, or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.